Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Michael Tillery contributed to Sports Gita and Scape and several other sports publications. And of course, our sports guy, Michael, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Tanya. How are you? I am not good, actually. I'm not good because Lamar Jackson should be celebrating today. And unfortunately, Lamar is not. And we are now down from an NFL record 14 black starting quarterbacks. We are down to one. And that man would be Patrick Mahomes. Michael, are you surprised by this outcome? I'm not at all. If you have a player who is basically the Michael Jordan of his generation, there are going to be many victims laying in his wake. <laughs> I like the way you put that. Makes sense. Yeah. You know, so the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the, the Joe Burrows and everybody else that's in the league who is great right now. If they have to face Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs team who has been weathered, in terms of their experience in the playoffs, you're at least going to get their best shot. They're well coached. Obviously, you have the, the best player in the game, Patrick Mahomes, as their quarterback, and the best tight end in the game, who might be the best tight end of all time, and Jason Kelsey. He had 11 catches, 11 targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. Like he, he controlled the middle of the field. And that was, that's basically Baltimore's strength on, defensively. I mean, here's the thing. It is Mahomes to Kelsey all the time. Why is it that people cannot defend it when you know that's what's going to happen? Well, the the Ravens in particular have a a 6'4 wonderkin in Kyle Hamilton, who will be a 10-year starter in his league. It looks like a Hall of Famer. He's only his second year out of Notre Dame. You know, they primarily had him guard uh, Jason Kelsey. Travis. Travis Kelsey, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you know, a lot of Kelsey's. Really. <laughs> a lot of Kelsey's. But, um, yeah, but, you know, it, it was really a shame because I thought that Kyle Hamilton did a great job. He was all over the field in the beginning of the game. And he made adjustments in the second half and, and basically neutralized Kyle Hamilton. Why couldn't the Ravens do better when the Chiefs only scored 17 points? And that was in the first half. Well, Baltimore gave up 17.6 during the season. I think Kansas City gave up uh, Kansas City gave up 17 points. Baltimore gave up 16 points. So the score was going to be indicative of that defensive prowess. I think the Baltimore made a big mistake by not running anybody else but L- Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar had eight rushes for like 54 yards. The rest of the team had like eight for 27 yards. This was a team who led the team, led the league in rushing. They don't have the greatest offensive weapons on the outside. As we saw with Zay Flowers, he's a little bit immature, as talented as he is, but he's still smallish. The Ravens need to go out and get a six, somebody taller than six foot, who's strong and fast to be able to complement Lamar Jackson, especially down the field. Well, we didn't. Uh, it didn't seem like they used any of their other receivers. People said that their tight end, Mark Andrews, coming off injury was kind of rusty. But it overall just seemed like a couple of things happened in this game. They didn't make the adjustments for Kansas City. They kind of killed themselves with penalties. And, you know, to be quite honest, Lamar 
in the playoffs when it counted, he did not have his best game. And it seems like he feels that he's got to be a pocket passer instead of, you know what, everything else isn't working. The offense is not calling plays or run plays. I'm just going to go out here and do what I do well. I'm I'm glad that you said that because if, if you remember when Donovan was here, you know there was this big stink about him being a pocket passer versus somebody who was outside the pocket and using his skills in a relevant fashion when it comes to winning a game. I feel like a lot of these black quarterbacks who are so multifaceted in their talent listen to the old guard. If you remember, if you, if you look at it, if you notice it this year. This has been a different year only because Josh Allen is running for a lot of yards. He's running for touchdowns. Before Josh Allen was doing this, everything regarding a multifaceted quarterback was scrutinized, criticized, and what have you. These players have to hear that over time. Right. Now, of course, when Lamar's going against against the GOAT and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, he's going to try to do what he needs to do to win from a pocket passer standpoint because that's what's expected of him. Right. You know, this guy has two seasons of 1,000 yards. I think he had 800 rushing yards this season. You know, so that's something that is in his pocket. He had to run more. Like, there were – I'm not saying that there were a bunch of lanes to run because – Chris Jones was monstrous for Kansas City. He just disrupted the entire offensive line uh, for Baltimore. But, you know, Lamar had to run more. I thought that John Harbaugh would make an adjustment and, and use him almost like Philly does Jalen Hurts in the fourth quarter by rushing him because the defense is tired at that point. And the worst thing for a defense is to have a guy who's running all over the field that you can hardly tackle. But, you know, the funny thing is when you look at Tom Brady and all those years of greatness, Tom Brady always had a lot of time to throw in the pocket. And they definitely were running all kind of blitzes at Lamar Jackson. Didn't seem like he had a lot of time uh, to throw the football. And then it just seemed like somehow that whole team became discombobulated offensively. So you got to give it to Kansas City for uh, basically scheming up a, 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 a defense that was able to contain him and seemingly, as you said, rattle the defense and everybody else so that they could win the game despite only scoring 17 points in that uh, in the first half. So I don't know. Uh, can Lamar rebound from this and ultimately ever win a Super Bowl? Well, you know, I remember everybody's asking me this question. And, you know, I remember being in a locker room after um, Cleveland, you know, lost in the championship and talking to uh, LeBron James. He kind of just looked off. Inside, you know, because you got to pick it all up and build it back up for next season. Right. What gets them is they focus then in that, you know, daydreaming about what they're going to do next year. And they think back to winning. How that makes them feel, how their teammates support them, coaches, uh, the, the people in the, the locker room who are handing out the socks and uniforms, locker room attendants. Everybody else, this becomes a time of them. For, they're going to relax for a little bit, but they're going to get right back into it. I think that this, I call them shoulder chips, not chips on the shoulder, shoulder chips. Lamar has those now. 
he knows that he's going to be heavily scrutinized for the rest of his career, and we'll see how he responds. Now, I do think he, the Ravens are supplying him with weapons, you know, very slowly. First year, no weapons. Second year, no weapons. Mark Jacks, Mark Andrews becomes a force. Now he has Zay Flowers. Rashad Bateman is not the guy who everybody thought he was because he can't catch a cold. When he begins to catch the ball, then the Ravens will have the weapons that they need on third down, especially fourth in the fourth quarter late in game to separate from the defense. But there is something to be said about the bright lights just being a little bit too bright. That was the criticism of Dak Prescott, and that is the criticism of Lamar Jackson because, one, you they had a great regular season. Baltimore led the league in wins. They had the best record in the NFL, and yet they lose to a Kansas City Chiefs team that sadly had the same record as the Eagles, which is crazy when you think about it. But as I always say, good teams find ways to win and teams that are, I can't say the Ravens are a bad team, but teams that cannot meet the moment find ways to lose. And that's what seemed to happen to the Baltimore Ravens and definitely happen to the uh, Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. Michael, what happened there? Uh, Dan Campbell deserves every criticism here. A lot of people are patting him on the back for being, you know, very, very uh, leisurely when it comes to fourth downs. Okay, there, there were two plays in, in particular where all he had to do was kick the field goal, which puts pressure on a defense to go down and score. When you don't have that fourth down conversion and two glaring ones. You know, the, the sideline on the the opposite sideline is like, yeah, we're going to win this. He he actually gave the game to to the San Francisco 49ers. And it was a shame when we were down 20, 24 to 10, 24 to 7. Right. You know, and, and they come all the way back when all you really needed was another field goal to at least go to overtime. Right. Well, there was that ricochet that uh, what's uh, the African player, um, uh, not Omanyahu. Uh, 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 what's his name? St. Brown. No, no, I'm talking about the uh, San San, Diego, San Francisco 49ers player who caught the ball off the ricochet. Oh, Brandon Ayuk. Yes. Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk. And that mm-hmm. seemed to just turn uh, turn the fortunes of the Detroit Lions all the way around because then it was two more scores and then it was this fourth uh, fourth down decision not to kick a field goal that would have brought them uh, back to contention in the game. I, you know, if you've noticed, I've talked about Brandon Ayuk a lot, especially regarding third down. He's one of the best third down receivers I've ever seen. Now, he compliments, you know, Debo Samuels and Christian McCaffrey and, and George Kittle. You know, so you have this guy out here who's going as a possession receiver is going to catch the ball and move the sticks on third down. So he, Brock Purdy has a myriad of weapons. You know, San Francisco really has no excuse but to at least be in the NFC Championship every year because of these weapons, because of Fred Warner and Greenlaw on defense who are beasts at the Mike linebacker, both of them are inside linebackers. You know, very few teams have those, and very few teams have the power, ability, and youth 
that the San Francisco has in the middle of the defense. Michael, we're going to come right back after this break and we'll talk more about the NFC championship and then we'll get into some news on the Eagles and the Sixers. We'll be right back uh, with more Reality Check after this break on Word. And we are back with Reality Check. Well, the Super Bowl is going to be the San Francisco 49ers facing off against the Kansas City Chiefs. And that is the fourth time in the last 15 years, five, 15 years. Lord, it is Monday. Forgive me. <laughs> that is the fourth time in the last five years that the Kansas City Chiefs will be heading to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it could have been Detroit, maybe. But it seemed like, once again, uh, the bright lights just were a little bit too bright, and they lost the NFC Championship game to the San Francisco 49ers, 34-31. Now, here's the thing. I believe that Brock Purdy played like Lamar Jackson was expected to play. What is your take on that? That's a great comparison. I mean, I hope that people are saying that this deck, Brock Purdy, despite, you know, him, you know, tearing his shoulder against the Eagles last year, you know, which put him out the game and the Eagles went on to go into the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy this year set out to prove everybody wrong. I was a detractor of his. I, I still think that he is the reason why, you know, the San Francisco 49ers lose because of everybody else that we alluded to earlier. But Brock Purdy ran for the ball, ran the ball. He was very, you know, courageous in doing so. You know, when he was running to the middle of the field, it got to the point, like, I, I, I watch quarterbacks, some run to evade the defense. Others run to score. Late in that game, Brock Purdy was running to score, you know? And, and that's, it, that's the kind of game that we were expecting from Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, when you look at Brock Purdy, this is a guy who was picked last. And I don't mean last as a quarterback. I mean, he was picked last in the NFL draft. He was called Mr. Irre Irrelevant. And when he started back in uh, week 14 of the 2022 season, his parents actually came to the game to see Tom Brady play. And he ends up winning the game. So, you yeah. know, not to, you hate to do this comparison, but Lamar is in his sixth year and he's been promising a Super Bowl victory. And Brock Purdy is in his third year and or second year, actually. And he's giving you that Super Bowl. So, well, again, no, we have to sit back and scrutinize the weapons comparatively. When. Brock Purdy is running down the field. It means that the defense is in man-to-man -man coverage mm -hmm. and their backs are facing the end zone. Brock Purdy can run right by him and they wouldn't see him. Okay, so their defensive focus, whether it's a receiver, tight end, running back, or what have you, is down the field. And that, that's their primary focus. They don't want to catch the ball and make a big play. San Francisco doesn't uh, – Detroit wasn't giving up big plays this season, except when they played um, Baltimore and maybe Miami. You know, um, you know, I, I, I've been watching Brock Purdy since he's at Iowa State. I was very shocked that he did not get drafted. I thought he was, should have been a Heisman Trophy candidate based on his maturity and poise. Like he is a guy you can plug into many systems and still succeed as long as you have those weapons. The, the, what you have to do to Brock Purdy is put that, that, that pressure in his face and continually, continually put pressure 
in his face, but you're not going to have that much time to get him. If you do not put him on the floor and finish strong at home, he's going to find, again, those myriad of weapons who are usually open based on their talent. We know the other thing, Michael, some folks just show up in big moments. That's one of the things that made Tom Brady great. He showed, yes, he was an excellent quarterback. Yes, they won a lot of games. But the key thing is that he showed up in the big moments. And when you look at Patrick Mahomes, again, the team struggled this year. Kansas City was not the juggernaut that they have been in previous years during the regular season. But Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, they show up in the big moments. And I think that, you know, as it relates to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I think he's going to have to learn how to shake off all the criticism and the naysayers and all those kinds of things and just play his game and show up in the big moments because Josh Allen, as you referenced, and Brock Purdy, they were there running all around the football field. They're scrambling and they're uh, using their legs. But when Lamar Jackson does it, he gets criticized. And I do think think that has a racial element, but hopefully he will be confident in the future in playing his own game. And maybe we will see some improvement there. Maybe he needs a sports psychologist or something. I think that might be helpful because he needs a wide receiver. (laughs) (laughs) that, That too. But at the same time, you know what? I think sometimes with athletes, they find sports psychology is helpful because it helps you get out of your head. There's no reason why Lamar Jackson should not be in the Super Bowl based on his regular season play. And so therefore we've got to look at what happens when the pressure is on. And you know, they say pressure makes diamonds. Well, it also makes Super Bowl champions. So who you got for the big game? I'm mean, I, I, I'm not ever betting against Kansas City again. <laughs> okay? that's, just, that's just what it is. You no, know, I picked uh, Baltimore 21-20. I knew it would be a low-scoring game based on the defensive numbers that I gave you earlier. You know, I, I just thought it would be more of a game in, in the Ravens' favor in terms of dumb scoring touchdowns based on Lamar doing what he does. Those 54 yards that he ran for were almost empty yards. He, he had a, a 13-yard reception where he threw the pass to himself. Right, that was a great play. I don't <laughs> you know. know if it, I don't know if it was the best in NFL history, as Tony Romo seemed to think, but it was a great play. Uh, you yeah. got to give him, I mean, just the athleticism, but I think it's in his head. And I think once he figures out how to meet those big moments, if he figures out how to meet those big moments, we will, as he put it, get a Super Bowl out of him. So let's hope that we see that uh, while he's still young. In any case, even Eagles have some news this week. They have hired a new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator. Vic Fangio, uh, NFL veteran, is going to be the D.C. and Kellen Moore is going to be the O.C. Good moves or not? I'm indifferent. Like, I think that these are lateral moves. Fangio had a chance to, to come here as he went to Miami. That, that's a red flag to me. You know, with the Eagles being, you know, so good, you know, why would you go to a team? Who is is up and coming, right? You know, um, yeah, I, I dig his style. I, I dig how he commands his players, how he coaches them, how he teaches them. You know, he is a, a definite student of the game. I think that that is where the Eagles are going to benefit because he, he's going to come in with that that structure that the team needs. 
you know, not an up and coming guy just trying to implement, you know, his game plan. You know, Fangio is going to do it from within, whether they're on a, the, the, the dummies, the sleds and practice, whatever. He's going to continue to teach his players despite them being professional athletes. I think that's what his generation does masterfully for the NFL in terms of coaching. Fangio could have been, you know, a head coach sometime along his his years in the league because of what he has given to the game. You know, it's very important that the Eagles next year mess with what he is giving them. If not, again, like I said, it's a lateral move. I'm suspicious. I'm suspect only because of the taste that this year has left in our mouths. Yeah, well, Kellen Moore is the OC. What is that looking like? I mean, he he coached Dallas. He coached Dallas, and he's he got fired from Dallas. Okay, he got fired from Dallas. He goes out to to San Diego um, with Justin Herbert. You know, really doesn't do much. You know, I, I'm I, I thought that the Eagles would go out and get somebody like an Eric enemy. You know, someone who would have more of a relationship with the quarterback. They also fired their their, their quarterbacks coach. Right. You know, so the the Eagles are in flux. You know, these moves here to me appear to be PR moves, at least of how they were presented to the fans. It remains to be seen how these moves are going to help the team. I think that the benefit will be that you'll have training camp and OTAs and everything where these coaches will be engaged with the players. If they, again, if everything looks good and it comes out right, this could be something of a a good thing that the Eagles will be fortunate to have hired these coaches. But I'm looking for someone who has relationships with the quarterback in terms of Jalen Hurts and how he can get inside Jalen Hurts' head to make sure that he does not have the year he had. People were saying he's regressed. Get that word out of your mouth because you don't say that about other quarterbacks. Jalen Hurst just had a bad season by his standards, and we'll see what happens next year. Right, but again, the Eagles finished with the same record as the Kansas City Chiefs, so it wasn't just on Jalen Hurts. It was on something that soured that entire team, either on the coaching or something that we don't know and, and, and hasn't been revealed to us yet. But I mean, listen, I know that there are people who are much deeper into the, the, the ins and outs of football and the, the, the plays and this, that, and the other than I am. But just looking at where these guys have been, I felt like they hired these guys that have been hanging around the league for a long time. Now, Fangio is known for his defenses. Kellen Moore, they do say that he helped uh, Dak Prescott become more of an elite quarterback. But it does kind of feel like, uh, isn't it about time for some, some new folks or some people who are coming with fresh ideas? or at least people that have had a series of real successes with other teams. You see in the coaching hires that there are people who have either been like a Gerard Mayo that have been around the team for a long time that have come up through the ranks, or you have some folks who are just known for their uh, skill set, like a Raheem Morris going to the Atlanta Falcons and also having a relationship with them in the past. But these 
so far right now, I, I know that the Eagles fan base is feeling positive, but I think the Eagles fan base would have felt good if anybody had come through as long as it wasn't the same coaches from last year. So I'm not sure what to make of it. And we won't know. And we're not privy to every detail of everything that goes on. But uh, it'll be interesting. And one of the things that Jalen Hurts has uh, a challenge with is that he continues to cycle through coaches. Not his fault, but he's played for so many different coaches at this point that I'm wondering, if again, psychologically, who does he know at this point who to listen to? So that's one of the issues. On to the Sixers. They are playing the Trailblazers tonight, and it is said that Joel Embiid will not be in the lineup. Now, he also was not in the lineup for the recent game uh, in Denver against the Nuggets, and people were like, well, wait a second. Joel Embiid is a superstar. Uh, Nikola Jokic is a superstar, and we don't get to see that heavyweight match that we wanted to see because they're trying to make sure that Embiid's knee stays intact. But at some point, what does this say about where Embiid is in terms of trying to chase down greatness? Well, you know, I'm looking at the usage rate. The usage rate for Joe Embiid, he has a 38.6 usage rate. It's the top usage rate in the NBA. Mm. The guy behind him is Luka, Luka Doncic. I think the guy behind him is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think uh, SGA Shea Gildas Alexander is next, and then you have one of the most exciting players in the NBA, and Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. It's thirty-two point two. So you know that's a problem. Even though you know Joel Embiid has his hand in the game, usage rate is basically a def- defined by a player being on the floor and baskets being scored. Right. Okay. So, you know, when, when, when that happens, you know, we're seeing that the e, that the Sixers or, you know, their top six in offense and defensive rating, you know, both of them. So the Eagles, I mean, the Sixers have a team that will compete, you know, later on and into the playoffs based on their balance. Uh, it's, it's why I'm not mad that Joel didn't play against Denver. I mean, he's averaged 44 and 12 versus uh, um, um, Nikolai Jokic the, the last two games. So he's essentially not afraid of the guy. Right. You know, uh, I know the fans wanted to see, especially in Denver, because they have a bad taste in their mouth because they lost the last two games to the Sixers. Right. So they want to see Embiid out there to see if Jokic, who has been, you know, perennial MVP champion, this and that, they call him the best player in, in the game. Some people are calling him the best center of all time, which is kind of ridiculous i don't think he's there yet if he can get there you know but mb this year is showing that he is a true mvp he's averaging 36 points a game you know we talked about you know you know his 100 you know his points per possession you know him being you know 51 points per possession which is crazy in, in a sense because it's historical mark now I, I look back at you know what will chamberlain was doing when he was averaging 50 points a game um, you know, 20, 25 rebounds. The, the points per possessions were different back then because there were a lot of shots being taken. Right. You know, so that's why a lot of people saying that the scoring was up even back then. You know, this this league here, you know, it's kind of soft in the middle because you don't have a preponderance of of giants as you once had. Right. You know, so MB is basically taking advantage of whatever the defense is giving him. And that's the reason why the Sixers are going to continue to win games. I'm not mad at him sitting out. I don't care if he doesn't get, 
MVP because he had to, I think if he misses more than four games, he won't be considered for any uh, postseason. Right. The NBA instituted new rules uh, for player participation, which is interesting considering how much money they get paid. But if they don't play a certain number of games, then they are out of the running for MVP. And I wanted to say that he is averaging 51 points per 100 possessions. Now, if he was averaging 50 points for each possession, he'd be a hell of a player. But 51 points for 100 possessions still makes him a hell of a player. They said this is the best mark in NBA history. So I think people want to see Joel Embiid play a full season and be available during the playoffs. So I guess if we got to work around that knee, that's what we got to do. Michael Tillery, thank you so much. Our sports guy always weighing in on the sports of the day. And uh, the day is two weeks. There'll be a Super Bowl. And it looks like you've got Kansas City. And you know what? I'm just going to be contrary and go with the 49ers and Brock Purdy and and hope that after years of uh, not being part of the big dance, they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that they get uh, a title. So we will see how it all works out. And we will talk to you next Monday. Have a great rest of your day. Take care, Connie. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 